Uh, I want to begin by just saying uh, thank you to our veterans uh, this weekend, just honoring our veterans for those who have have uh, fought and served that we may have this freedom to come in and proclaim how great our God is. Um, I mean, that we just take advantage of that every single day. Um, and I just want to thank you. You know who you are. And uh, most of you all that I know who are veterans probably wouldn't want me to have you stand up so we could clap for you. So uh, I just say thank you on my behalf and on Harvard Seal's behalf. But if you know some veterans, make sure you thank them for the service they've given us because um, you are experiencing part of the service they've given us right here, right now, as we come to the presence of the Almighty God and to uh, give Him praise. Uh, I know we got a lot of people out that are, uh, you know, playing hide-and-seek with Bambi this morning, and uh, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, that's okay. Uh, we're here, and, we, and God's brought us here for a very specific purpose this morning, and uh, maybe a message that you can take to them. If nothing else this morning, we can all be thankful for one thing. Campaign ads are done. Amen. Yeah, I thought I had a clap. It was a dropping of a phone. Man. So, but campaign ads are done. You know, I, I was looking forward to it after Tuesday, being able to just, you know, turn the TV on or the radio on and, and not hear that over and over again, that so-and-so's good or so-and-so's bad. But on the flip side, we've ch- uh, changed from campaign ads to now we've gone to Black Friday ads. Yes, we have. Uh, my email inbox has just been littered with Black Friday ads about who's got what sale. In fact, yesterday, uh, the Hurchin family, we went over to Springfield uh, in the afternoon, and um, that seemed like a good idea before we got there. Everything was busy. I remember we were in one particular store, and I was just looking around and saying, why are there so many people here? And uh, I went to ask, actually, one of the, the people working there, said, what's going on? Why? I mean, I know, understand you're busy sometimes, and it is a weekend, but this is a little ridiculous. And uh, they let me know that they are having pre-Black Friday sales going on right now on top of their Veterans Day sales. And so we have transferred from campaign ads to now to full consumerism, and uh, I hope you enjoy that. I'm not against Black Friday. I like Black Friday, actually. Um, the last, if, I think Black Friday is like politics, is people are on one side or the other. Um, you know, they're either opposed for it, to it or they're for it or there's, I don't really care. Um, but I like it. Um, every Thanksgiving, um, my brother, my sister-in-law, his wife, and, and Jamie and I, we leave the grandkids with Grandma and Papa. Uh, my folks, and we head out to their local Walmart, which isn't like as intense as like a Kansas City or St. Louis or even a Springfield because it's, it's not a huge town. But we'll go out to the local Walmart. Uh, we'll go and enjoy all the craziness and we'll walk through the aisles and just be entertained. It's gotten to the point that we've done it so uh, traditionally uh, that the kids, the grandkids actually think it's their idea now um, that they send their parents away so they can have grandma and papa to for themselves for a little while, but that's fine. You can think that all you want. Um, Ethan's here, so I was actually just talking to him in that moment. But anyway, um, but we're not like the traditional Black Friday ads people. I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll go and look at the movies and, and electronics and stuff like that, but we really go to Black Friday and the sales like that because we're going looking like for pajamas, like really warm pajamas, flannel short shirts or warm clothes, socks, underwear, uh, things like that. I mean, last, I think two years ago, uh, Jamie and I walked away with a really nice vacuum cleaner. 
Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it because I still use that vacuum cleaner and I, I really enjoy that. I mean, you ask her and she's like, this vacuum cleaner is awesome. And so those are sort of things we go for, we get excited about because I guess we've moved on in that different stage of our life. But um, we come into this time of year where, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and it's that time of year where we seem to spend money more than normal. Uh, on people, we tend to buy things for ourselves more than normal. Uh, and it's just that time of year where uh, people are just consuming stuff. And so this message this morning, as we continue through Joshua, um, it, it really falls at the perfect time to get us ready to have a proper perspective when it comes to possessions and it comes to consuming things and owning things. So if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at three verses, but in particular, we're going to really focus in on, on a particular phrase this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 2, verse 3, and then we're going to jump down uh, and really look in verse 11, but we'll add verse 10 to our reading as well. So uh, here's the word of the Lord, beginning in verse 2 of Joshua chapter 1. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I have promised to Moses. And if you want to jump down to verse 10 in the same chapter. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people. Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in, take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And the phrase we're really going to focus on this morning, particularly in dealing with possessions and the possessing of the promised land, is this phrase that's mentioned three times in just uh, subtle different ways, but that is the idea of giving. Verse 2, I have given to you. Or Sorry, verse 2, I am giving to you. Verse 3, I have given to you. And there in verse 11, that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Three different times, just within this opening chapters, God is beginning to prepare the Israelites and Joshua to head into the promised land, to take possession of it. The Lord reminds them before they're even to step foot into the land that it is He that is giving it to them. And we can look over it so easily, but what it is stating is that the land, the land of promise, the land given to the Israelites is a gift. And last week, we've really focused on the parallels of the gift of the land here in Joshua and to the Israelites and the gift of our salvation. Nowhere is this gift to the Israelites or to us based upon our own merit, our own righteousness. Matter of fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 9, the Lord comes to Israel and lets them know that they are not getting the gift of the promised land because of their righteousness or of they that they deserve it, but it's because of His love and His mercy and His faith faithfulness to his word. And so as he comes to the Israelites and he, and he speaks of this promised land, I want to take away four things for us this morning when it comes to this idea of possession. The very first thing is that God is the giver because God possesses all things. 
And we may know that, we may understand that, we may have even heard that before, but we really need that to sink in when it comes to our own possessions. And what God wants the Israelites, particularly here in Joshua, to understand is that he is able to give because he is the owner. He is the possessor. He is the giver of the gift. The same thing that comes to our salvation and everything that we own today, it is all because God is the giver of that gift. The Bible tells us in Psalms that for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. And so when it comes to this time of year, we start thinking about possessions. We start thinking about things that we owe our own and things that we claim to own. We have to begin the understanding that everything that we have our name on, everything that we call our own, whether it's by title or loan or deed, is in fact God's. All of it. The clothes we wear, God's. The house we live in, God's. The bed we sleep in, the pillow, God's. Our children, God's. Our marriage, God's. Our checking book, God's. Our retirement plan, God's. Everything we have is God's. And as God was preparing the Israelites to go into the promised land, he declares to them three times here in Joshua, I am giving this to you. And it's a reminder that because I'm the one giving these things to you, that is why I'm able to put regulations and restrictions on what I have given you to use. See, what God has given us is meant to bring God glory. Everything that we own is God's and is meant to bring him glory. When God prepared the Israelites to go into the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 15, Leviticus chapter 25, before the Israelites could step in, God gave them regulations and periods of time that they were to set aside to remember that it was not them that possessed the land or owned the land or had claim to the land, but in fact, it was God. So he gives them a year of Sabbath and he gives them a year of Jubilee where the people of God were to rest from all work and allow the land to rest. And in that year to focus on God and to release all debts that were owed. And so God comes to the Israelites once again in Leviticus chapter 25 and says very plainly in verse 13, the land is mine. Why is this important to us? Why should this matter? Why should we really hone in on the idea that God owns things? Because when we borrow stuff from people and we know something doesn't belong to us, typically, not all the time, but typically, we'll take care of it better than our own stuff. When someone loans you their car, when someone loans you something from their house and you know they're wanting it back, I'm guessing you try to do your very best not to break it. You take care of it. You don't try to crack it. You don't try to ruin it. And so this idea that we need to grasp this morning is all the possessions that we may come into contact with, all the possessions we may claim as our own is in fact God's. And since it's God's, the reason God has given it to us is so that we would take care of it. That's why God just defined marriage. That's why God just defined uh, families and children and how to raise children. That's why God just defines certain things because it belongs to him and he gives it to us to be stewards of it so that we would take care of it with the understanding this doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. I'm just simply the caretaker. And there's three things in particular that God gives us to take care of 
that we can recognize that he, in fact, is the owner of it this morning. There's more than three, but I just want to hit on these because these three affect us all. The first one, they're all with T's, if you're taking notes. The first one is the tithe. And this isn't a money message, don't worry. The word tithe in Scripture means 10%. It means a tenth. But the word tithe isn't necessarily concerned about the tenth as much as it is about the money or the material possession. When God declares about bringing a tithe or a tenth, it's with the understanding that those he's calling out to bring that tithe or tenth is that, hey, guess what? I actually own 100% of your stuff. So I'm just asking you to trust me with the 10%. I'm asking you to trust me and to recognize me that I am the giver of all things, the possessor of all things, the owner of all things. And so all I'm asking is for you to have faith and to trust me, the giver, the owner, the possessor, for 10%. See, because God owns 100%, we have to recognize when it comes to the tithe or an offering, God isn't after our wallet. He isn't after our checking account. He isn't after our cash. He already owns it, okay? It's already His. He's after our heart. He's after the things that we can give allegiance to over Him, the things that we can put trust in over Him, the things that we can turn to over Him to bring us comfort. That's why God says, you've got to trust me with the tithe. You've got to trust me with the offering. It's in fact mine already. You're just giving back 10% of what's already belonging to me. The second thing we, we show that recognize that God is the owner of all things is is our, in our testimony. So our tithe and our testimony. The word testimony means to share about something that we have witnessed. And since salvation is a gift and God is the giver of the gift, that means our salvation doesn't belong even to us. It belongs to God. And God has given us the salvation so that we might be proclaimers of the salvation. That's what a testimony is, is I simply share in this life and the people that God has placed around me of what God has done for me through Jesus Christ. And we see the same thing in the Old Testament with Joshua is God was not gifting the promised land to the Israelites so that they would have a plot of real estate. He gifted the land to the Israelites so that all the people of the world would look to the way the Israelites were living, by the testimony of their life, by the testimony of the way they trusted God and worshiped God, and they would know that He is the one true God. And so this, this, in this day, God gives us Jesus Christ, salvation, complete forgiveness for all our sins, not so that we would hold it to ourselves and say, I've got this beautiful, precious salvation, but that we would trust God and we would share the gift that God has given us. We would witness. I think we make it too complex at times. God simply wants us to tell other people how awesome of a giver our God is. We've got a perfect time of year right now as people start thinking about Christmas to share about the best gift we've ever been given because it will not fade, it will not spoil, and it cannot be taken away. It's eternal. The final thing that God wants us to use to show that we understand that He is the owner of all things is God wants your time. He wants your money. He wants your testimony. He wants your time, your tithe, testimony, time. Not, not because He doesn't already have it, but because He wants us to trust us with it and understand that He, he is the owner of it already. 
but our time is, in fact, our greatest resource. Your time is something you cannot recoup. You will never live on November 11, 2018 again. You may live on another November 11th, but not again, not in 2018. You will never have this moment again. Your time is your greatest resource. And because God is the owner of all time, because he's the creator of all time, what God wants us to do is to trust him with the time he has given on this earth, not to make an earthly impact, but an eternal impact. So God has called you to harvest till. He's called me to harvest till, not just to, to sit and to come to church and to leave, but to be a part of what God is doing, to use the gifts and talents that God has given you and he already owns, but he's given you to use that you might bring him glory. But it's going to call you to give up some of your time. That's why time is the hardest thing to manage and the most valuable thing to us. The second thing we see here in Joshua and it really is just kind of re-saying what we already said, is that all that we claim to possess is given by God. Therefore, God is the owner of all that we possess. And the reason I just want us to hit on this just a little bit longer this morning is because we as God's people, and understanding that God is the giver, that is a gift that He owns and is given to us, that we might be caretakers or stewards of that gift. Therefore, we aren't the owner of it, and the only thing we are to owe is the gift of loving others. The Bible tells us, Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loved another has fulfilled the law. And it's by our tithe, our testimony, and our time that we use to bring glory to God reveals that God owns us. Reveals that we are known by God and claimed by God. And so we give because God is a giver. And by our giving, we epitomize the love of God. And we fulfill the great commandment, love God and love people. We show that we can let go of things that we claim to possess in this world because we know that God, if he, if he knows that we need it, will continue to provide it for us. And so everything that he possesses, we give away. We see this in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 45, we read of the early church. They were selling their possessions to belongings and distributing to proceeds to all as any had need. The early church understood that now they, they were claimed by God and owned by God and known by God in a very special and unique relationship that the possessions of this world and material things of this world could keep them from clinging to Christ. The same thing happens to us. When we cling to the things of this world more than we do to our salvation and the gift that God has given us, we give a very bad testimony. Job tells us that naked we come from the womb and naked we shall return. And Job's proclamation is understanding the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, God knows here with the Israelites, as he knows with us, is that when it comes to possessions and things that we own, is that we are going to be in this constant battle of giving our allegiance to that or giving our allegiance to him. We're going to be in a constant battle about worrying about that or worrying about a relationship with him. We're going to be in a constant battle of focusing on that or focusing on him. But when we change our perspective that, you know what, I don't actually own that. That's God's. I take care of it. 
But since God owns that and God owns me, I should really focus on the owner. I should focus on him. That's why the Bible says instead of worrying about all these things, we should seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things that we can worry about, all these possessions in life, our clothes and what we're going to eat and the shelter we have, God promises, because he's the owner, will be taken care of. So instead of claiming to possess something we don't, here's what we should do. Don't let what we claim to possess possess us. Don't let what we claim to possess possess us. And I've thought about that word possess, and every time I say that word possess, I ought to make it think of like, you know, demon possession. You know? I don't know why that's where my head goes. Maybe too many bad movies growing up. I don't know. But that's exactly what we can do with things of this world. We can allow a car, a retirement plan, a, a a vehicle, a gun, a boat, a house. We can allow our kids, our hobbies, our dreams, our ambitions. We can allow our clothes. We can allow what we want others to think about us to possess us, just like a demon would possess an individual. The word possess means to take control over your life. It's to have the power and, and to be in charge. It's to own you. And this is what the enemy wants to do with our possessions is we get it. We're like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. We're like, we want to keep it. My precious. We want to keep it to ourselves. But instead, when I understand that I don't own all this, this trinkets and all this stuff, that he owns it, I can let it go because I trust he's the owner. He's going to continue to give because he paves his streets in gold, people. And he owns me, and he promises to take care of me as his child. So I don't have to cling to this stuff, and I don't have to allow it to control me. But I can actually find the freedom that he promises me when I just give it up. When I let it go. It's just stuff. Some of the greatest advice my father-in-law, Jamie's dad, ever gave me was this last summer and I shared when we got back from vacation, just not the vacation you planned for. And it was just kind of down because it didn't feel like I was able to take care of things in that moment. And, and uh, I was in the car with him, and we were driving from place to place. And he just said, look, Mike, it's just stuff. And you have to know Jamie's dad. I mean, he, I don't want to call him a worry wart or anything like that, but he, he, he has a very meticulous plan. And, and so he wants things to go according to that plan, and when they don't, it kind of throws him off. And here's this gentleman that um, I know about his planning and how he wants things to fall into place, and then he says, you know what? It's just stuff. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it's aggravating, it's frustrating, it makes you feel like you're a failure at times, but in reality, it's just stuff, and it's just money that has to buy that stuff. It just brought, brought complete perspective. And I wish I would I get that every day. I wish I would understand that and remember that every single day, but I don't. I get worried about stupid stuff. But I don't have to. 
Because God's the owner of that stuff and he's the giver of that stuff. And so there's times in my life where God gives stuff that I don't deserve and there's times that he doesn't. And I, I, I believe sometimes he doesn't give us the stuff we want right then in that moment. It's because our heart isn't ready for it. We may celebrate more in the stuff than we do in the salvation and the Savior. And so our heart's got to get right. So we have to make sure our possessions don't possess us. There's a bishop by the name of Edwin Hughes, and he gave a message about God's ownership at his parish. We'll just call it a church for our own lingo today. Um, but after he finished preaching the message, one of the men, members came up to him, and very wealthy individual in the congregation, and he said, hey, I'd like to take you out for lunch. Matter of fact, I'd like to just have you over for lunch at my house. Um, right after service day, if you don't have any plans. And uh, Mr. Hughes agreed and went to his house, and they ate a, a very wonderful meal, and this, this gentleman had people who cooked the meal for him and brought the meal out to him, and after they ate the meal, they walked around this gentleman's land and looked at all of his horses and his forest and, 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 and all of his, the possessions he had and his gardens and how beautiful they were, and this gentleman was kind of the tour guide to Mr. Hughes at the moment, and as they bring back to the house, the, the member, the very wealthy member, turns to Mr. Hughes, his pastor or his bishop at the time, and, and he says, are you meaning to tell me that all these things that I've worked for and bought aren't mine? All this stuff that I've acquired in my life don't belong to me? Really put his pastor on the, on the, on the spot. The story says that Mr. Hughes responded by smiling at his very wealthy member. He says, well, ask me in 100 years the same question. See, in 100 years, he wouldn't own anymore. And there's a common ground that we all share with millionaires and billionaires. Is that whenever we die, whenever that happens, everything that we've acquired in life and claimed to possess in life, won't be ours anymore. But we do have one thing we can cling to and claim possession of, and that is our salvation. It's a gift God has given to us. Jesus really hammers this down in one of his parables, in parable found in Luke chapter 16. It's the parable known as the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man lived in his nice house, and Lazarus ate scraps from the trash, and the dogs licked his wounds. Well, the parable goes on that both the rich man and both Lazarus, the poor beggar, die at the exact same time or around the same time. And the rich man goes to eternal punishment. He goes to what the Bible would define as hell. Lazarus rises to eternal glory. And one thing that always baffles me and amazes me at the same time in this story is that Lazarus is fully aware of where he is and where he isn't. And so he cries out, and his cry as the rich man isn't, Lord, please take care of my stuff. Isn't, please watch over my house. It isn't, please make sure all my servants and all my things are in order. It's, Lord, please send Lazarus to the ones I love. And I think that's where we need to live when it comes to possessions. To value the people that God has placed in our life over the possessions we claim to have ownership of. But we're in this constant battle of flipping those things. 
where we value the possessions more than the people. So if we could live not in a, a depressed way or anything like that, but if we could live in such a way that we understand that this world is going to end, we're going to die one day. And when we die, we're not going to care about the shoes on our feet or the clothes on our back. We're going to care about the people that God has placed in our life to love. That's what we're going to care about. And so if we can live in this world right now as givers, givers of the things that God has given us, then we can make an eternal impact on the people that we love. That's what I mean by living as if we were dying, taking up our cross every single day. That's what God wanted for the Israelites here in Joshua. It's not that they could be owners of the land, but that people would look at the way they live in that land, the way they give God glory in that land, and they would see that God is the one true God and come into a relationship that they had with Him. And that's what God wants for you and for me. That we use all the stuff that God has given us, all the possessions, all the things that we, we cherish and all the things that we love, and we use that for His glory. And that people will look at God's people and be like, why? Why do you give so much? And we automatically have a door open. I give because my God gave me so much. Known by our giving. Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to start mentioning a thing called Fafti. If you're new to Harvest Hill, it's, it means from our family to yours. And I really want you to start praying about now, how can I be involved in this? We, we, we take the information from the school and we get presents for kids and families that um, are just going through a rough time of life. And we just give not expecting them to come to church, sometimes not even telling them what church it's from. We just give so they can know that there are people that love them. I want to encourage you to just be in prayer about, prayer about that. How can I be a part of that? We talk about the tithe. We also have an offering coming up here in a couple weeks. It's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. It's to make impact for missions. And it's not to take from the tithe, it's to be on top of the tithe as an offering. Lord, Lord, how can I give so that your gospel is proclaimed to places I may not physically be able to go, but I can make an eternal impact in those places? As you go out here in a few moments and maybe you're going to drive into Springfield, uh, I, I always, I, I, my, my confession, I always struggle with when I see people on the corner with signs and things like that. And I don't know if it's legit or not. Um, and that's something I'm working through. But a couple months ago, we were in, in Springfield, and we were just pulling out of uh, one of the, the businesses there and come to a stop sign. There was a gentleman on the, on the corner, on the curb, as you've probably seen in your own explorations of Springfield. And uh, he had a sign, and I read the sign. And, you know, normally it's like need food, need money. Um, you know, my kids are or homeless, or I'm homeless, and, you know, it's kind of around that. But his sign just said this, I need shoes. And I looked at Jamie, and I said, well, that's different. And sure enough, I mean, he, he kind of looked like he had a, a little rough time, and he only had socks on his feet, and I could tell that his socks had holes in them. And then I did something completely stupid. I had the, the mechanical window, so that's better than having to roll down and crush from, you know, because I'm driving. So I rolled down Jamie's window and I yelled out, what size? Uh, you know, I, I don't think he was concerned about the size of the shoe. I, didn't, I don't know what I was expecting in that moment for him to yell back, you know, size 12 steel tip, please. You know, I, um, 
But he kind of gave a look that made me understand that I just said something, asked something stupid, and Jamie kind of looked at me like, uh, that's a weird question. And uh, he said, you know, I just need something to walk around because anything would do. And in that moment, and this isn't like to lift me up because I don't, I admit, I still, I wrestle with this still. That's how this story started. I just took off my shoes. I did not throw them out the window. I don't think that's something you should do if someone's asked for shoes, to throw shoes out the window at them because it might be misperceived by around you. <laughs> that man just threw his shoes at that, that poor gentleman. No. Um, but I, I handed it to him, and he came over, and, and he was so appreciative. And, and I said, you know, uh, you're welcome. And, and here's, here's why I did it. As this man simply said he needed shoes, I began thinking about, you know, the shoes I was wearing. I have a shoes at home that I mow the lawn in, and then I have a, shoes, a pair of shoes at home I work out in. And these shoes that I have on on that particular day are usually shoes I just throw on to walk around. And I don't normally wear shoes on a Saturday. I usually wear sandals. So I have a pair of sandals. And then I have a couple of pair of shoes that I preach in. I have a black pair and a brown pair. And I've had my brown pair for about 15 years now, so they've served me well. Um, I have a pair of boots that I wore to the bonfire a couple of weeks ago, but I really don't like to wear them. I just wear them because they keep my feet warm, but they hurt my feet. And so they usually stick in the back of my closet. And then I have another pair of shoes that are just sitting in the, in the garage that, you know, sometimes I just kind of make sure there's no spiders in. I don't know why I keep them. And so I say that because in that moment when I saw this man just simply asking for shoes, I realized how blessed I was. And how silly it was for me to be hoarding so many pairs of shoes. And you're like, wow, you're a guy and you got a lot of shoes. Shut up. <laughs> but how silly it is that I can hoard and I can worry about so many things if I would just stop and do as the old hymn say, just to count my blessings. Just to count my blessings. That God, the giver of all good things, has blessed me overly and abundantly. And I'd like to say I get this all the time. And this is the way I live my life. So I don't know what's wrong with you, but you can just ask my wife. And she would like, man, that's definitely a spirit talking through him today because you should see him on other days. Um, but just to look at your life and realize the things that we worry about. Yes, there are some things we need to be praying about and worrying about. Some of the things we worry about are just really not that important. And that God is the giver and so all he's asking those things that we can worry about, maybe you are in a rough spot. To understand that he is the giver of those things. And so I'm going to turn to you, God, and I'm going to trust you, God. The last thing God wanted the Israelites to do is to trust more in the land than they did in the Lord. But that's exactly what happened. And that's the danger of the temptation we have here this morning, is we can trust more in what we claim to possess than him. The final thing this morning is... God wants to possess us. And here's the thing. Even though God is the owner of all things, one thing that he will not force his ownership on is you and me. God wants us to willingly surrender what we have to him. To trust him. And it begins with our salvation. Is that God has created us all for a relationship with us, but we all have a sin problem. And unless that sin problem is taken care of through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, we will die in our sin and we will be like the rich man. We may have all this stuff, but we will be eternally separated from God. 
But that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he rose from the grave, so we can put our trust and our faith in him who did the work for us. And we can receive this incredible gift of salvation. When we do that, we get restored back into the image that God created us to be. We get saved. And we're given a gift that no one can take from us because they didn't give it to us. God gave it to us. And you may be here this morning, and that's the first thing you need to do in order to let go of this world, is first you need to turn to Jesus Christ and declare Him to be your Savior, to place your trust in His crucifixion and His resurrection. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe that's what's keeping you from letting go of your love of this world. But maybe you're here this morning, and you're like me, and now you wrestle with that. You wrestle with stuff, and you worry about stuff, and you cling to stuff. And as I was preparing this message, that's just something God just kind of rebuked me for this week. And maybe you need to come before the Father and say, God, I'm sorry that I get so consumed and so focused about all this stuff, I should really be just focusing on you. You gave me all this stuff anyway. It's yours. So as we did this time of year, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get hectic. Thanksgiving and Christmas and traveling and friends and family and eating and you know calories and all the blessings. Let's start this season like, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. Help me just to trust you. Help me to seek you first. Help me to trust you with all my heart. And help me to guard this heart that you've given me. So when all the craziness starts coming in my doors, and coming at me. Lord, I just remember that you're the owner of it all. You possess it all, and I trust you. You're my God. I don't know where you are this morning, but maybe you need to come and apologize to God. Maybe you need to come and you need to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. I'm going to be standing down here. And if you know you're not saved, and that's something that needs to change today, you need to accept God's gift that he gives you. I just want you to come down and say, you know what, Pastor Mike, I want Jesus. I want to be saved. And we'll talk and we'll pray. Maybe here you just need to come and lay your earthly treasures down before God and say, all right, God, they're yours. They're yours. Be glorified in this stuff. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the things you give us. Lord, for no reason, I I don't know why we have so much. Thank for the freedom and the blessings we do have in this country. Thank for those who have served to give it to us. And thank you for you being the God who continues to give it to us. And as we go this time of year and we begin thinking about all the things that we're going to get to purchase, I thank you that you've blessed us in such a way that we can even have those conversations. We can even be thinking about the ways we want to surprise our kids and our loved ones with gifts. But Father, help us not to be consumed by all that. So consume us with your love. Consume us with your spirit. Fill us with that. Father, I praise you. You know each and every heart here. You know the things we worry about, things we stress about, the things we may be clinging to more than you. So forgive us, Lord. Please forgive us. But as we come and we come to this understanding you possess it, help our hearts to bear that fruit. I thank you for what you've done here this morning. I thank you for your word. I give you praise for you alone are worthy of Praise in your name. Let's stand as we sing. I invite you to come.